You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Good morning and welcome back to Counterculture here with Marie on Reality Check Radio. And you guys ask me for this every single time and I am happy to oblige. You always ask for more die and more die you shall get. Di Landy, kia ora, good morning and welcome. Kia ora, Marie. Thank you for having me again. No, and we were yabbering away before and I said, oh, we need to get, we need to, we need to, we've got to go, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. Yes. this is the problem with you and I. We talk far too much. And actually, we're going to go a little bit more serious uh, this time. This has been a topic that you've been wanting to talk about for a bit. And it's the uns, sort of the unspoken story and truth of what's going on within our correction service and our prisons at the moment. Yes, I've, I've noticed New Zealand has a a thread of punitive, you know, people don't care about these prisoners. It's, yeah, well, they're in there, they're bad. But, you know, people have to remember they are there as punishment, not for punishment. Mm. Mm. You know, lo- losing your liberties and having someone watch your shit every day and being locked up and being told when you can do stuff, when you can stand, sleep, sit, shit, walk, that's what you're losing. Mm. You, you don't need any more than that, in, in my opinion. Um, I, I think our prisons are a bit of a, a bit of a mess, actually, like, it's, it's quite incredible, especially the use of segregation. Now, I was doing a bit of reading about the segregation, and we all know about Mahi Bassett, and she was in there for four months as a concentrated effort to break her spirit. Um, and yet the rules are that you can't go to segregation for more than two weeks. So so for those who don't know Mahi's story, give us an overview of what that is. Uh, well, he was locked up, you know, violent crimes in Arahata, and for whatever, for whatever reason, it, it, from what I've read, it seems she was targeted. Like they were pepper spraying her, and I mean, this is an asthmatic, some, you know, and like they had her in sex for four months, which is, oh, you're isolated, and the only people you see are the guards bringing your food, and then when the rest of the prison is locked down, you may be let out for your exercise. Um, you know, I, I personally don't care what she did. This mm. is inhumane. Stop treating our woman like garbage. I, I can't remember. It would have been Hina. She's locked up. I believe she's out now. She did take a case against the department about it. I'm not sure how that's going, but, you know, locking someone up for four months is really inhumane. People think the witty riot happened oh, probably because they wanted KFC. It wasn't because they had no running water, couldn't bathe, the food was shit, and they couldn't wash themselves, and that the... um. The prison, its actual self, was condemned by the ombudsman that it's not fit for purpose. Mm. No, no, it's because they wanted KFC. You know, these kids in, in A and youth centres are getting on the roof because they want KFC. Wake up. How yes, bad so, is it in there? So there seems to be a real imbalance between some places being exceptionally bad and some places actually functioning quite well. So, I mean, I'm here in the base, and Mangaroa is the men's prison that's here. And I think they're probably more on the better side of the scale because I know, like, for example, in my day job, we supply yarn there. They have uh, craft programs. They have uh, prison release work programs where prisoners actually go out and do work in the community. A number of them did a lot of work during the flood relief. It is very dependent on who's in charge at the time. Well, it is. And, and like, if we look at... um. 
say, Rumataka, they haven't had in-person visits for over a year. It's all audio-visual. Now, this is actively destroying families. Mm-hmm. To not see children like a couple of months is a long time in a child's life. Arahata, it's been 18 months. And, and they're shipping people all over the mutu away from their support. We've got people on remand, and because of the backlog in courts, you know, remand, some people can be on remand for eight months, for goodness sake. Problem with that is they do not have access to programs until they're sentenced. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're, that, it's a remand is limbo land, really, isn't it? It, it is limbo land. There's nothing happening in remand. Um, and the prisons run differently, like at um, Rimataka, the men there are locked up for 23 hours of the day, 22 hours of the day, and only audio-visuals. Arahata, same deal, and then women are moved out of Arahata, and they're away from their support, their programs, and everything. So by the time they hit parole, they have no proof they've been working yeah. to do something because they've been moved away. The programs get interfered with the family unit, and just as a general rule, when men come out of prison, they come out to a home. Mm. They come out to their missus and their kids. Not so for women, not so much. Women come out, some other bloody skanks moved in, all the furniture's been sold, the house is gone, kids are somewhere else. So quite often women are released to nothing. Mm. And and they're released with their $350 steps to freedom if they happen to have any money on their in their bank account, that gets deducted from the steps to freedom. 350 bucks won't even get you a night in town. Mm. So, so this is one of the conundrums, isn't it? Because I know that prisons, knowing people that work in prisons, that they they there you've got these really incredibly dedicated people that want to set up rehabilita- rehabilitation programs to actually help and assist. Uh, prisoners to either break bad habits that they had that got them there in the first place or create networks to be able to move forward with their lives going forward. And And that work does go on. However, it sounds like the reality of this is that they will do that work within the system if they get that, and then they'll just literally dump them back into the environment that created the problem in the first place. And and there's no... um continuity, like you say, it depends on the prison that you're at. And like at the moment, we've got 44% of women in jail are on remand. 57% of them are mouldy. We have 31 people charged with murder or manslaughter on eBay. I, I kind of disagree with that, Marie. You know, if that extreme level of violence, you should not be put on a bracelet. I don't care how empty they are. So how do they decide? How do they decide? Because, I mean, obviously they've been, I mean, what did they, something like the prison population has reduced by about 20% in the last three years. But how do they, it seems so random of how they decide who gets electronic monitoring and who gets locked up in remand. I mean, how does that decision get made? Well, I I presume cultural reports are done because, 15, of those 31 people for the murder and manslaughter, 15% are Māori, 9 are Pākehā, 15 are Māori, 9 are Pākehā, 4 are PI, 1 Asian, and there's 2 unknown ethnicity. So we've got a broad range there, but if you look at the stats, like they just keep climbing and climbing and climbing. Life is hard. I'm not excusing prisoners, but there's people in there that should not be in there. 
But because our mental health system is so broken, no matter how much money they've poured into it, must have been on all their fancy morning teas mm. you know, because it hasn't done any improvements. People with severe mental health problems should not be in jail, and yet the jail's full of them. Um, I was doing some reading about trans prisoners. I've done OIAs, and I got told there was four trans prisoners in the woman's estate. And then I was looking back at older OIAs, and from 2014 to 2019, 22 men applied to go to the woman's prison, and they all succeeded. 22. 22 men have gone through the women's prisons. Now, we know from the, um, what are they, the submissions we did around the birth, deaths and marriages, a man was a ex-corrections officer and he spoke about the assaults and the pregnancies that were happening and occurring in jails, women's jails by these tranny men because 99% of trans men are sexual deviants. That's the stats that have come out from Claire Dremont, I think her name is. But it's, and they do not lose their criminality. Because that's the other thing. You would have thought that corrections would want to be very proactive at not having biological men mixed within a female population. Because if pregnancies occur, they, they don't want to have that light shone on their own officers at being potentially the perpetrators of these pregnancies, would they? That's right. I mean, you know, it won't be long before, you know, our numbers are vastly different to overseas, but it is nonetheless very shocking, you know, like there's 800 in, I think it's California or Washington, 800 men with their synthetic sex identity in the woman's estate. So, you know, they're telling me there's four in there, but I'm reading at OIA that 22 men have applied and 22 men have been successful. Corrections guidelines states that a man cannot apply or be considered to go to a jail of his choice if he's offended against that gender in the last seven years. They're not even following their own guidelines. They put that Richard Matthew Nelson in, straight into the woman's estate in Auckland. And here's the man that stabbed up three people in the restaurant in Hamilton. And his first appearance, he was Richard Matthew Nelson. His next one, he was Emma. And now he's Pandora Electra. I mean, even the name tells you they're yeah. taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that, Aye, that, I mean, that just says mental health, doesn't it? Ding, ding, ding. And, and so now lawyers will be going, I'll just say you're a woman. And then we had a female to male go to jail. And, of course, she bloody shit her pants and get me out of here, wah, 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 and was put back in the woman's. Now, I agree with that. She's a woman. What I don't agree with is the double standards. Mm. And so, you know, we've got men in the woman's estate and and then you've got people going, oh, they need the trans health care. Bro, you're in jail. Mental health care, but, I mean, they even struggle to get that, don't they? Yes, but then they want to apply binders and makeup and tape so they can tuck their nuts up and, bro, you're in jail. How does this? No, just no. You know, people go to jail to lose their liberties. They should not be affirmed in there. That is one instance where they should not be affirmed. It is delusional and dangerous. So our taxpayers' money is going to supply these men in prison with binders and stuff. And, and women, what? 
No, 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 you can't even get programs in there or rehab programs. You can't even get enough staff. But you think that these grannies are so special that they deserve gender-affirming health care while in jail. That just blows my mind. Mm. You know, yeah, you, no. No, <laughs> it's, no. I'm, I'm just up with no. And well, I know that there is, it's one of those things that I think it's a convenient thing for for people to memory hold. It's like not, you know, it's not the sort of thing you bring up in polite conversation. But speaking with Hana Tamaki, she was saying how frustrated they have been. Of uh, They've, you know, they have petitioned Calvin Davis repeatedly yes. about allowing them to go in with their Man Up program initially, but also her, prog- her legacy program for women. They are getting results. They are making yes. a difference, and they won't let them go in there because no. heaven forbid they'll stop worshiping the secular god of the state and might actually find the Lord. Yes, yes, it's incredible. Like you know, they're very polarizing the Tamakis, and all I can say is deeds, not words. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm very much on that front as yeah. well. You know, it's it is that judge a man by his actions, and yes, and, they um, have, and I just cannot see. I, to me, that's incredibly short-sighted. Yes, it is. And, um, like, the work they have done for, for and I'll say our people, Māori people, predominantly Māori people, is incredible. And all people can do is go, wah, wah, wah. Oh, they're this, they're that. Oh, they don't like gays. They don't like this. But, no, no, deeds, not words, Māori. You know, mm. I, I can't say what they believe in. I'm not them. But by their deeds... I can see what sort of people they are, irrelevant of the public persona they've portrayed. Yeah. Well, and and ultimately at the end of the day when they, and this is the thing that frustrates me with those that sit on that social fence where they sort of uh, say, oh, you know, we've done this and we're trying to improve things in prisons. And it's like, well, either throwing money at it or and throwing money that doesn't go anywhere. No, just money on consultants isn't fixing it, is it? No, no, it's not too. There's too much um, dead weight with this consultancy, you know. And I've always, not always, but I've mostly reviewed research as just people getting fat off the backs of people, hmm. you know, especially the disenfranchised. And um, I was looking at our um, SIF stats because I believe SIFs is a feeder to the prisons. When when I worked with the homeless, you know, like. had been in some state care in their formative years, and most of our clients were out of jail and what have you. Um, Back in the day, I don't know what the law is now, but the only people we didn't have to house were arsonists. Legally, you weren't obliged to house them. But, you know, it's it's the housing game at the moment. It's really hard finding people for prison work home, setting them re back up, reintegrating them all on 350 bucks. Mm. And that hasn't changed in I believe 30 years. Mm. That for steps to freedom. And um and then the problem with that is, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that'll set them up. But bro, these people are released on a Friday afternoon and then they have to walk to the wind's office and then it's closed. So oh, hey-ho, what are they going to do for the weekend and then go back on Monday? You know, I'm I'm not surprised the recidivism rate is so high. Yeah. The programs are not tried and true, whereas if you look at legacy and you look at man up, they they speak for themselves. Yeah. So what are um, some of the what's some of the stats from SIFs that you've seen? Well, 
we've got nearly over 10,000 kids in SIFS care, and that's foster as well as residential. And unfortunately, the latest um, policies and everything for the rainbow is it's really scary. I'll send them to you, but they've got a very captive audience. It's all enforced in state care. And um, one of the things I wrote about was, you know, Nan's got the children, the moko, because mum and dad are in jail. Now, mum and dad come out and, you know, they gave Nan um, sons and they come out to daughters. You know, that's a terrible thing to happen because, mm. all, you know, this social transition is not harmless. You know, they are irreparably harming these children. Now, every child in state care, whether it's a foster home or residential, is traumatised. It is going to be very hard for traumatised children to ignore the love bombing they get from the rainbow. It's going to feel good, and Lordy knows they deserve to feel good, you know, from whichever trauma led them there. And so I'm really fearful that these kids in state care, I believe over 50% of them are going to be irreversibly harmed. And then these, you know, I think 80% end up in jail. But it's like the pipeline. You know, you know, it's interesting you say that. So I did an interview several months ago with Walt Heyer. Now, he's an American who works in the space. He's one of the oldest detransitioners. He's in his 80s now. Yes. He's yes. incredible. Oh, he's such mm. a wonderful gentleman. I just re- I had a lovely chat to him. Now, he was saying that there are trauma, um, there's a trauma index, and I can't remember the acronym he used for it, and there are 10 elements on that index and if you've actually had more than I think was it four experienced more than four your proportionality to be someone who falls into this gender trap or falls into crime it is it it covers all of these negative effects for your future and your upbringing Yes. And he said, if you prevent any as many of those steps on that 10-step letter, he said, you will prevent so many issues. And you're just describing all of that, aren't you? Yes, it is. And, and that's what I mean about researchers. We know. You can put your pen down, bro. Mm. We know so, the stats. We so know where what's does, happening. Um, for Māori in this situation, uh, a lot of, if you were to believe those that, you know, occupy the airwaves that <laughs> there is uh funding funding that is coming in more fun and and actually for somebody who is a lay person that doesn't have any contact with Māori world at all and they're sitting at home and they're watching their one news and they're feeling good about themselves and they're going oh look at all this money that's going to Māori why aren't they sorting this house out so a is the funding going into Haora or Hapu or certain iwi or marae to actually set programs up for these people, or is it a classic case of it will get to a certain place within uh, the iwi construct? Because let's face it, these iwi's are corporations now. Yes, yes, and, just, and doesn't go anywhere. Um, so, what what's your observation on that? Well, what I've observed is that it's still volunteers on the outside, picking up the mums, waiting for the men to come out, working with the children. It's still all volunteers. I, you know, the money gets to um, a place and then it just gets siphoned off. You know, one thing I notice with people go banging on about these cultural reports, oh, they're $1,000 or however much they are, 
Yeah, but you're quite happy to pay a psychologist more. Mm. So, I, you know, people really begrudge Māori anything, but you'll give it to a, I don't know, a tauiwi psychologist. The same amount of puti without a blinking an eye, you know, and it's just, oh, no, they get this and that. I think people will be surprised, and Calvin Davis said this a couple of years ago, that three years of the corrections budget is more than all treaty settlements. Yeah, that doesn't that actually doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, the no. problem because you sort of say to yourself, where is this going? And I I I just have this feeling that so much of it is either they'll do some great work within the prison, but then there's no support for when they get out. So where yes. do they go and what do they do? Or yeah. a lot of what is there is almost a virtue signaling, like what you're saying, like with the yes. rainbow, and, and it looks good on paper, it looks yes. good in a press release, it looks good when the yes. cameras are allowed to come in and, and you want to get a story in the news cycle. But in reality, is it making a positive effect for those people that need it the most? I'm Not that I've seen and. The recidivism rates, res- yeah, I'm sorry because I mix that word up all the time because I use, I've mixed it up for my name on Facebook. You know, the rates are high. I don't see any, you know, there's no no one shouting from the rooftops, wow, this program works. The programs that are working, which is Legacy and Man Up and Tutangata, are not utilised because uh, you didn't fill the papers in right. You know, and the amount of times I've heard this over my life for Māori, oh, you can't have that, the papers weren't filled in right. Uh, well, why don't you fill them in for us? We have an oral culture. Hey, you here know you go. Authors. Here's an idea. Kitty Tapu Allen is now going to be a consultant of chaos. Oh, hey, she, she, she's going to have a little bit. She's, she's interacting now with the system she used to run. Maybe you should say to Kitty Tapu, hey, Kitty Tapu, here we go. If you want to help your people, this is what you can do to help your people. Yes, get out of the corporate world, you corporate whore. Jesus. You know, because at the bottom, people are broken. And it doesn't matter whether you're Māori, Pākehā, PI, Asian. None of that matters. All that matters is they're broken and we need to do things better. Like remand, it's just dead time. Why aren't programs installed then? Why aren't councillors put in then? And then the way it works is everything has to be okayed by the prisoner. So, you know, and that's all time. And then it depends on the workers. Some workers are really lazy and just, oh, I've got to unpack that box and what have you. But I'm appalled that the prisons have had 12 to 18 months with no in-person visits. That is very inhumane. It is against human rights. And nobody cares mm. that all these families are further broken. You know, a year in a child's life is a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, How are they going to, um, you know, then they have to reconnect with mum or dad on the outside, and that's really hard because, I, you know, people come out of prison and, and they're just shell-shocked. There's institutionalisation. There's, you know, it takes them a little while to get their feet on the ground and stuff, and then with everything against them, I'm not surprised they turn mm. back to crime. It's, you know, it, it is interesting because I know the, uh, the experience with Mangaroa back in the day when I first moved here, a job that I had for a few years, 
was uh, in a small goods company and quite a large, actually the company is sort of still around, but it's morphed and changed and moved. Anywho, you can imagine small goods, Christmas hams. So we get really, really, really busy at Christmas time. And for us, Christmas started actually from about now. And yes. it was absolutely chock-a-block until mid-December. You need temporary staff. And one of the things, of course, with a lot of Māori and a lot, uh, particularly through the middle part of New Zealand, is a lot of them have experience at freezing works in one form or another. So they've got knife skills, butchery skills. Yes. And we would go in, we had an HR team that would go in and work with the team at Mangaroa and they would go through and bring prisoners out on early release, ones that were getting close to the ends That's of these correct. sentences. Yeah. And they would say to them, right, you guys can get released early directly into this work program with us in the small yeah. goods. And some, so the ones with knife skills would go into uh, the butchery areas, the ones that didn't, we'd have finishing, boxing. Yes. And the only thing you had to make sure was not to cross gang lines because that yes. got ugly. That's very real. That's, That's very, very real. real. Yes. Uh, but if you didn't do that and you pulled those people in, the difference that it made, because it pulled them into an environment, and I mean, our staff would more than double in that time. So you had a culture, you had camaraderie, you had people there, yeah. they were back, they were they were working and earning money on their own two feet, heading into a time of year that's financially pressured anyway. And often it was enough to get them on their feet, to get them get them up and running. And the, and the really good ones would get hired back on as staff. You know, they were um, uh, full time and you saw a huge difference. And none of us, you know, none of us gave a rat's ass that they'd come out on the early release program. Right. That was then, this is now, you know, let's, let's get the job done yes. for now. And the difference that it made, and it's, you know, you and huge I. Huge difference. Huge. And this dehumanisation, we've seen this tactic, haven't we, in yes. recent years. And that happens, it's, I believe, for those those prisoners it does like if, if you're just say you're working in the kitchen in prison there's three pay working anywhere in the prison there's three pay scales okay so it's 20 cents an hour 40 cents an hour and 60 cents an hour so you know you're getting 15 to 30 bucks a week for working full-time in there but the, your buy-up or whatever it's called, you know, where you can buy yourself biscuits and noodles is all market price. You know, so your biscuits are still 3 or $4, um, you know, the noodles, are, they're all market prices. Might be a little bit less, but not from what I've seen. So I just think it's crazy. Like I remember a time when prisons used to grow the food for the, um, what's that called, the tourism industry in Topol. Mm. You know, but yeah. okay, no. The alcohol stills and everything kind of put paid to that. But, you know, like, I believe locking people up for longer than 18 hours a day with no work, with no programs, is the perfect recipe for disaster. Mm. You know, that's because you're left even in, in recovery circles, you know, one of the sayings is work is your best therapy well I know that they do that a lot here you know I, ju I just oh, it's crazy it is it, it is, is just... it's crazy and and knowing that 85 percent of these people have have been in surfs mm. so that's and where that, and that cycle starts and it's education I had this conversation with uh when Erica when we prepare the election from the candidate for New Zealand first mm. and she said that you know in terms of breaking all of these cycles and making things better you need to take things right back from that educational standpoint preschool 
You know, you've yeah. got to get those foundations right for these kids. And it's even broken back there. Yes. Like our illiteracy rate for children is 50%. What the hell? Mm. What the hell? Like, And so you've got illiterate people. I mean, that must be so frustrating not being able to read and, and know what's being said on paper. You've got them from out of their own hometown, so they've got no support. They're mixing them up everywhere. Um, they're a lot harder in the women's prisons, like the segregation's used a lot more in the women's prison than the men's. Like, so like back to Mihi Bassett, they were just hosing her with bloody that mace spray, whatever it's called, which isn't in use in the UK, but it is here. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but unless we have highly trained officers that well, that don't have skin in the game. You know, we need some understanding that people do not wake up and go, right, this is it. I'm going to completely wreck my life. Here I go. Hmm. It's a process. It's a process. And there's, you know, and when we see them in SIPs as the pipeline to corrections, it's just, whoa, um, Something it's got to change. Mm. It has to change. And even in all the SIPs homes, they're pretty awful. Mm. So, I mean, in your lifetime and my lifetime, one of the things that I've really noticed that has worsened, particularly, so I'm again talking with the Māori context, but I think this will go for yeah. Pacifica too, is the disconnection that they have either with their spirituality, whether it be their cultural spirituality, their te ao Māori, or the, um, with a higher power with Christianity or another religion. Yes. And since that has left and the, secular, the secularisation has come in, I worry... I worry about the likes of Te Pāti Māori because I can see themselves as a spirit, they're trying to place themselves as a cultural or spiritual replacement. And from, from what I've seen overseas, to me, this is dangerous. What is your thoughts on that? Very dangerous, you know, the, the arrogance to presume that you have that persona to carry off that role. I mean, excuse me, you know, it is the breakdown of our wairua and our beliefs. And and then, you know, now we've got all these fresh, because I think all, all universities should be closed. They're teaching shit. They need to be closed and cleaned out because we're getting these universities coming back to the marae, infecting the marae. And it's like, one thing that really confuses me, Marie, is that as Māori, we've never trusted the state, yeah, never, yeah. you know, and so I don't understand all this trust in the state now. They, they're not our friends. They've never stood by us. They've never done well by us. So why are you trusting them now? You know, it completely blows my mind. So why? So what do you? Why do you think that is? Do you think that's financial? Because I have. To, I agree with you. It is because usually there is a deep distrust, which is why when the vaccination program came out, you can tell there was almost like an age gap because you could tell the ones that of a certain age they were kind of like, hmm, what's going on here, because of that generational yes, distrust and then they were the ones are like oh sweet as bro roll up the sleeve yeah two shots for summer we're all, all good sweet as yeah. let's do it and, and then you had youth lining up because you know they were bribing them with um pack and save vouchers yeah. and all money and what have you and some of these youths lined up twice <sighs> up on up northland you know oh yeah i just had three or, or what have you i've had a couple all got myself 200 bucks bro you know the poverty the grinding poverty is real 
I don't think the average New Zealander understands what grinding poverty is and that it actually does exist here. Mm. You know, I know when I go rural, we try to take treats and everything because we know it's not a given. You know, you can't just pop down the dairy, and then when you do pop down the dairy, it's four times the price of anywhere else. Mm. Oh, and the cost to get to the dairy, because, I, I mean, where I grew up, it was yeah. over an hour to get to the dairy. So, yes. yeah, you don't just pop yeah. down there for a Snickers. I mean, yeah, so, you know, it's a culmination, this trust thing, and, you know, and I see it in some of the, um, and I won't name my eyes or anything, but I think, oh, have you got university mouldy in there telling you? Mm. You know, I, I personally don't agree with the Māori party, I come off the Māori role because I'm watching our, you know, our suicide stats go up, our health, nothing's changed, it's all worse, it's all worse, like the last stats I was reading were like, you know, Māori men are killing themselves at a, um, I think it was up in the 60s, our, our population's only 17% and, and then we're Bloody, these people are committing suicide at 60%. We're not going to last. Mm. It's, it's terrible. The stats are awful. Youth suicide is through the youth, um, roof. I mean, who are these people and how did we get to a place where the government is pushing doom and gloom and making youth believe the world was over in 50 years and it's my fault? Yeah, but that's the culture, isn't it? That is the culture. And, and, I, I think that's one of, aside from the tranny rubbish, I think that is the most cruelest, cruelest thing, and it's evil to do this to youth, to have, have them with no hope. Yeah, well, I mean, Martin has been sowing that seed for a while now, hasn't she? Yes. And you really you know, so. Yeah, and where there's no hope, there's no mm. fear. Mm. And I remember when these ram raids and that first started, Marie, it was just... These kids stole lollies, clothes, and toys. I mean, I know they're kids, and that's what I'd expect them to steal, <laughs> you know, and a few electronics. But, you know, the desperation's real, and, and we've got to stop. You know, prison's just like a holding pen, you know. And, yes, there are some evil fellas that just need to be locked up and the keys thrown away. But that is by no means the majority of people in there. The majority of people in there are just mums, dads, aunties, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives. They're just us. And that for whatever reason, they've landed there. And then, so you make all the networks, you come out to nothing. I mean, what is there? Mm. And then you've got to pay, oh, you know, you've got to wait seven years for clean slate. And then that doesn't matter if it's a government department you're applying for. It's all bloody rubbish what this Māori party and that are doing. Get in there and do some work. Yeah, well, as you said before, judge them by their deeds. Yes, by their deeds. And and it was, you know, I don't have to believe in your God and you don't have to believe in mine. But we do have to believe in humanity because mm. we're part of the human race. Yeah, we um, do. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it just really annoys me that this is, it's, you know, like I say, I don't care what they're in for. And, and women are, are treated worse. And then they've got men in there beating them up and raping them because they've got a special identity. And then you've got these tranny organizations going, they need binders, they need trans affirming care in jail. No, they don't. They need to see their children. They need to do programs. They need to be reconnected. They don't need to be brainwashed with indoctrination because a lot of the spirituality is gone. I'm, 
even though I'm an urban Māori and been brought up in the city all my life, I'm really lucky that I've been taken back to the country. I've been taken back to marae's. I can't even tell you how many marae's toilets I've cleaned, mate, because yeah. <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah. So I've been very blessed in that way and that I can do this. But for other Māori, they don't have this exposure. No, no, they don't. And that's that disconnect. And it's a community. Yes. It all comes back whether you're Māori or non-Māori. It That's takes a, right. you know, it takes a village to raise raise a child. Uh, and we have our communities have been eroded. I spoke last week. Yes. Um, I said in the show last week I went to down to speak at a Rotary meeting in Central Hawke's Bay. And if you are somebody who are in those uh, cultural uh, social justice type communities, you, I mean. It, Things like a rotary meeting would be your idea of a living hell, right? You know, a whole bunch of middle-aged, cis, white, mostly men, but the female women there now too. But these Rotarians are the pillars of their community. And they're actually yes. getting out there. I mean, one of the things they were organising in the meeting was going for a visit to Mangaroa to help to see what they can do for help with programmes and, and oh, outreach. Yep. They're doing the mahi. Yes, they're at the coal face. They're, at the, they're actually doing the work, and that all gets unseen because culturally, or from a or a social justice, you know, from a social justice perspective, yeah. oh no, 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 you can't, you can't have that. And another example of this is a really good friend of mine. It's in Minneapolis, and he has a business up there, lives up there, and of course that's where George Floyd was killed. And when that happened, in the the, the square, the centre, sort of the neighbourhood that it happened in, his business was on one side of the neighborhood and his home was on the other and all the everything unfolded yes. in the middle and the riots were horrific I mean he had to move his then 90 year old mother out mm. of their house because he cared for her and go and stay in a hotel because it was not safe I mean they were looting things burning things down yes. the community he lived in the neighborhood was mostly so these are BLM protesters right supposedly there for the minorities going through like a plague of locusts crashing, burning, and destroying buildings that were mostly minority-owned. Yeah. And he said the thing that upset him the most is he said at the end of all of this and all their protest and the beating of their chests and COVID was in the middle of all of this, he yes. said it was them, it was the local community that were left, their whanau, and the local churches, small little churches all around Minnesota, from these small little towns, these little local Christian parishes were busing people in to help yeah. clean up. Aye, it doesn't matter where we are in the globe, but you can guarantee it's the Christians out there helping. Like yeah. if, if we removed the Christians out of our community, we'd be lost. Mm. We would be and, so. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not even a Christian, you know. <laughs> but that's um, but, but this is just it's, you know, neither am I. But I've got a massive respect. Yes. Uh, because that's the thing. It's um, all of us have a moral compass, and it doesn't matter where your compass points. Yeah. You know, we can all sort of work along it. Side each other, and I just see, and I love the the morals that that are instilled. That's yes. why my children are in Catholic school, for goodness' sake, you know. Well, um, yes, I, I uh, so you know, like I look at my parents, and there were seven of us, Marie, and we're Catholic educated, so you know they worked all the hours God sent them to manage that. Mm. And and stuff, but oh yeah, no. The oh, and you power. and your sisters so eloquent, die. 
<laughs> She's definitely a wordsmith. <laughs> hey, speaking of wordsmith, I um the latest blog from Manawahini Korero is talking about this children's rally, which is coming up next week. Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about that because if anyone is in the area, because uh, it's going to be in Wellington, it's Puniki. Yes. 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 So tell us a bit it. more about that. Okay, we're having a Voices for Children rally. Like, as you know, um, we've been in the fight for quite some time and we've been focused on women's rights. And so we've kind of pivoted off that because it's the children that are at most risk. Like I was just talking about SIFs and the latest rainbow guidelines that have come out. It's just a firm only. Oh, you stub your toe because oh, you're trans, you know, <laughs> basically. So... Um, I'm very pleased that Let Kids Be Kids and Parents Against Gender, the two groups that have just sprung up since Posey Parker's rally, KJK's rally, they're going to have an attendance. We've got some speakers lined up. I've asked Hannah Tamaki if she'll come and speak. Yep, and I think um, Karina's heading down in that direction yes, as well. Yes, Karina. And we're having it at Parliament, whether they're sitting or not now, the reason is very basic reasons for why we're having it at Parliament. And it's because Parliament comes with fencing and security. I have had enough of being spat on and yelled at and jostled for standing up for women's rights. But the children, our children are not okay. It's only in the last little bit, Marie, I've started thinking about the kids that don't trans, but are taught all this crap. How do you unteach the formative years? Yeah. Yeah. So how, you know, like children that are enough in themselves and in their environment that they don't need the love bombing and they don't get sucked in, they're still being taught women have a penis and men have babies and that humans can change sex and that they can be born in the wrong body. How do they unlearn this as, as they become adults and stuff? Like I'm finding it very, very damaging. And, and so there's lots of horrible things happening for our children in our schools. And New Zealand being New Zealand, we don't have a blanket how to deal with this. Like Mungafai Head School has none of it. It's all been the whole sexual things being kicked out. Like where MWK stand, Manawahini Korero stand, is take it back to sex education and not sexuality education. I really don't think children need to know if you're a lesbian. I don't know what value that brings, myself personally or gay, you know, and I'm talking five-year-olds. It's absolutely abhorrent what they're doing to children. Well, and so it's, it's because, quite... because because it's making kids apply labels to things and kids, that's the thing. They don't, they just see another child in front of them. They don't see a label. Yes. They don't care if they've got one leg or one eye or they're in pink or blue or their skin's brown. Kids just see a kid, you, you know, and and. I, they're taking children's childhood off them, so it's it's more than time. It's over time that we stood up for children in this manner. We don't have an international speaker to give us the attention we need. We've just been putting it out on Facebook, 31st Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, at Parliament at 11.30. Come and have your say or come and listen to some great speakers we're doing a ticketing process, and that was suggested by the police after the last rally. So, and it's they're free tickets. You just get the tickets, and all that is for is for security and numbers. Yeah, yeah, and that so great. we're having a Voices for Children rally where we have to have fencing, we have to have security, and we have to have police. Mm. Mm. And the other, I, again, so 
just I've spoken to just recently a few uh, senior teachers and principals and even ones that have been on boards just around the traps. And they know that, you know, I have this job and they've asked me about some of this gender stuff. And one of the thing that, things that has come back quite clearly to me from them is they're in the position now from an education perspective, like a lot of medical people are, you know, you're not, you know, this is the guidelines. You must adhere to the guidelines. You must completely affirm and you cannot deviate from this. And if you deviate from this, that could have repercussions with you with the teaching council. And so they are, even if they don't agree with it, or they have concerns, like there are behaviors, they're walking on eggshells where, so for example, you've got a child who's deciding it wants to have um, excessive attention seeking behavior and it wants to be a furry at school. And I mean, why any kid wants to run around and wee and poo outside and lick its balls when it's bored, I don't know. But that's what they want to do. And these principals and these teachers can't do anything about it other than affirm that child and tell everybody else in the school body that they have to do the same. And they, you know, and they're seeing the disruption and the... And, they, and their hands are tied. I feel sorry for those educators. Same. And then you've got the ones that think it's fabulous, darling. But, you know, I just worry. I really do. And it's hopefully when the dust settles in November and they all kind of figure out, who you know, everything gets a bit landed and they know who's going to drop where. From an education perspective, hopefully some of these things can get rolled back. Oh, I hope so, because, you know, people should not be at fear of losing their livelihood because they're not affirming this. We've already had a teacher lose his job for not affirming. We've got as a Mellon Bay primary, I believe it is, that is um, compulsory pronouns. You know, there isn't a blanket thing across it. Um, listening to one of the women from Parents Against Gender, Karen, OMG, it's how to get the gender out of your school in a thousand steps. Like the work involved is immense. It is immense. And Let Kids Be Kids is another group that I've come across, and they're trying to get the resources and everything together to strategize, to, um, you know, come on, let's pull it out. And MWK, we've just started a petition. You know, it'll wait. we have to wait for Parliament to get back to being Parliament, but it's for a full inquiry. We want a full inquiry into all of this because of the funding, as we know, is through the roof. But so it's Voices for Children. Come and speak because what we're going to have speakers, then we're going to have open floor, and then we're going to have a half hour if dads and men want to speak. We are keeping it as women first because we have lost the most. Mm. Mm. There's we Women have lost everything. So, you know, when my muka and I go to the pools, or a public toilet, men can be in there by law just because they said they're trans. They don't even have to shave. They don't have to do anything. They just got to rock up and go, I'm a lady now, and it is so legally. And so, you know, it's – but come and and listen, come and talk, get, you know, get your butts to Parliament on the 31st. It's going to be a really good informative rally event. It's not a protest. It might be a protest. I don't know. But it's really important people start hitting the streets and waking up and speaking up for children because, you know, we had the childhood we had with all that glorious Kiwi summers and just the Kiwi way because of our grandparents and their parents. 
and so on. Yeah. They fought for us to have that. I think every adult, whether you have children or not, needs to start mm-hmm. speaking up for children. The kids are not okay. Yeah. They well, are they, being groomed. They call it a culture war for a reason because I think this yeah. is the war of our generation. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you did right. We need to stand up. Now, one last little thing, and this is going to seem a bit weird for our listeners, but um, our die needs to find somewhere to, a, a new home. So if you're anywhere, if you are listening to this and you are someone who has got uh, a place between Kapiti or Levin or anywhere in between, uh, give us a yell, 2057 or inbox at realitycheck.radio because, yeah, our die, our die needs a home. We've got to, we've got to keep this uh, good lady with a roof over her head. So, <laughs> and trying to find anywhere out there is a nightmare. Uh-huh. But, you know, we've got some pretty good networks out there, Di. And as far as you're concerned, you're an RCR Taonga. So, we've got to keep you, <laughs> got to keep you housed. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's been incredible. Like, I've never troubled finding a house before, but I've sent, you know, a dozen emails and received no replies. Mm. It's incredible. And then just watching the um, rentals, like even in the last month, they've gone up. Because I only need a two-bedroom. No, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we can thank do. You for and, that. Yeah, no, no worries at all. Yeah, inbox at realitycheck.radio in twenty fifty seven, as I said, is the text number. And also too, that Manawahini Korero Substack. The one thing I noticed at the bottom of that latest post is all those resources that you have there, mm-hmm. all those different organisations and all of their websites. So if you are looking for more information around this gender information in schools, especially and education, um, there's that's a great resource list there for you. As always, Di, it's amazing. I love our Thank catch-ups. You. Thank you, I love Marie. Our catch-ups. We will continue always to stay in touch because there's never there's never nothing to talk about. That's the best thing. Oh, correct. There's always something that bugs me with the government, irrelevant of who's in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, don't disappear, everybody. More great content still here to come with Reality Check Radio. You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Reality Check Radio.